0: are still in Galatians, and we are dealing with these, this list of sins that are the opposite of walking in the spirit uh, and walking in the flesh. Uh, and, and it's interesting because I tried my very best to try to knock this out, but it's, it, it, I'm not allowed to move as fast as I would like to or quickly as I'd like, I'd like to, um, because they all fall into certain particular categories. Um, and they are arranged in such a way um, to where we have to deal with them. And so we're just going to ask that uh, you be patient with me today, amen, um, as we go through this fifth chapter of Galatians. Galatians 5, starting at the 18th verse, ending at the middle of somewhere in the 20th verse. Amen. Galatians 5, 18. When you have it, say amen. 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 But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Mm. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. And we dealt with this last week, idolatry. Amen. And now one more today, witchcraft. Amen. Amen. And we're not going to get any further than this word today. Amen. Uh, the works of the flesh are manifest. As I taught you some weeks ago, the works of the flesh are obvious. You will know whether or not you're operating under the power of the spirit or the power of your flesh, which is exactly tied with the demons and the devil. <laughs> Amen. There's no middle ground. Amen. You're not better than you think you are. Amen. We we need the Holy Spirit. And we are to be operating out of the Holy Spirit. These works of the flesh are obvious. So, if you're doing or involved in these things by practice, amen, meddling with these things, you know, and, or showing these kind of character attributes, then you'll know for certain. Uh, the Bible doesn't give us any gray area here. You will know for certain that you are operating not in the spirit, but in your flesh. Amen. We dealt with bad sex, where we talked about sex not necessarily being what you, <laughs> what you prefer, but the, the unlawful ways that we, you know, we go about that particular activity. Um, and then we talked about idolatry, where you make up your own God, amen, or you worship gods that, uh, that you choose to worship in order to get around certain situations that you can't handle, whatever have you, amen. And now we're dealing with witchcraft. And today I want to speak to you from the title, Bad Medicine. And I'm gonna explain how that all kind of comes together in just a minute. Amen. Witchcraft, by our normal, regular, everyday definition, the way we understand it, basically, the definition describes uh, the the uh, the definition basically is this: uh, practice of magic, especially black magic. We got folks nowadays that say they do white magic. you know but basically the practice of magic especially black magic the use of spells casting spells or bringing under others under the power under the power of a spell amen now in many countries witchcraft believe it or not is now legal we even got tv shows about it Amen? Um, but the word of God condemns witchcraft of every kind. Amen? And I'm just going to use this scripture here to just kind of point this out to you. Second Chronicles, the 33rd chapter. I'm going to do verse 1, and then we're going to skip down to verse 6. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. And the word of God says, basically verse number two says, and he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. Amen. And in verse six, Manasseh, this particular king, also sacrificed his own sons in the fire in the valley of ben Hinnam. He practiced sorcery, divination, and here is that word again, witchcraft. And he consulted with mediums and psychics. Amen. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight. And here's a key phrase, arousing his angry, his anger. God was very upset with this young king. The word tells us that God was displeased with Manasseh and his dealings with demonic activity. Incidentally, if you read a little bit further down that chapter, you will understand that Manasseh, after God tore him up real good (laughs) and set him straight, he actually was one of the few kings that repented. And turn back to God. Read that when you get a chance. It's a really, really good story about what happened there. Um, But this man, you know, throwing your children into a fire, that's idolatry, you know, worship of demons. He's obviously not in his right mind. Amen. He's not filled with the spirit of God. He's practicing witchcraft and dealing with what the Bible often says calls familiar spirits. And we know them to be demons. Amen? Demonic activity. Now, in certain cultures, this is regular. There's people that deal with demons. Um, Practicing demonology and casting spells. I don't like this particular situation. I'm going to change it. (laughs) I don't like you. I'm going to get rid of you. (laughs) You know, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to make sure that I'm in a place where I have the advantage. Okay, a very selfishly motivated type of sin here, witchcraft. Amen. But in Galatians, the fifth chapter, um, are we everything okay? Okay. But in the Galatians, the fifth chapter, the word of God reads, it says, The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. This word here is a little bit different in the New Testament than it is in the Old Testament. But it has a connection. And John MacArthur says this. He says, sorcery, witchcraft. The word, the word witchcraft actually is the word pharmakia, where we get the word pharmacy. Interesting. Hold on for hold on to your seats. This is going to be a little interesting, little ride here. The Greek word pharmakia or pharmacy, where we get our English word pharmacy, comes originally referred to as medicines in general. Okay, but eventually only to mood altering mind-altering drugs, as well as the occult, witchcraft, and magic. Many of the pagan religious practices required the use of these mood-altering drugs to aid in their communication with demonic deities. Can everyone hear me? Okay. All right. The word witchcraft witchcraft is connected to drugs since witches use drugs. We would call them potions, okay? And drugs are used in association with sorcery because they place the practitioner into an altered state of consciousness whereby he or she becomes more open to demons. You know, you get so high, you see things you should not see. Man, that was a trip. It sure was. Oh, dude. <laughs> okay. Witchcraft. Drugs. Potions. But in ancient times, the main drug was not what the drugs that we would use today. Okay. Back then, the main drug was basically alcohol. Okay. Because we didn't have cocaine and weed and fentanyl and crack. Okay. But have you ever noticed um, when you go to the grocery store, there's a whole aisle of bottles with the name on it called Spirits? Did you catch that? Spirits. Okay. You should try this next time when you go to the grocery store. Pretend like you can't find something. And go and ask the person, say, listen, I don't know where you can find this, but I'm, do y'all sell spirits here? <laughs> I'm looking for spirits. I don't see any spirits. Y'all, y'all sell spirits here, right? <laughs> alcohol is the word spirits, and it's the word spirits for a really specific reason. There's a connection with alcohol And demons, and there's been a connection with drugs and mind-altering things and a demonic activity for a long time. Amen? The oldest drug is alcohol. You ever notice the sign for medicine? The logo for medicine is a pole with two snakes on it? A lot of that's connected to demonic Greek mythology. And the idea was that the person, and I can't remember his name. Asclepius. Thank you, John, son. Asclepius, my Greek mythology major over here. Asclepius was a god who would go into the underworld and come up with remedies for healing people. But the source of it is demonology. Ooh, interesting, right? And we just go to the doctor. Can I need a little, (laughs) can I get a little, you know? Now, of course, not everything is bad, but you need to understand before Christianity, people were trying to get themselves healed and they were using illegal sources when it comes to God to get, you know, better. Amen? All right. But the original drug Alcohol. Amen. Proverbs 31, 4 through 7. Proverbs 31, 4 through 7. The Word of God reads It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those. Uh, that be of heavy hearts. Amen? When it says that here, some people would say, well, it looks like God is condoning drinking. You need to understand the context of this chapter. There's a woman who is talking to her son, Lemuel, and her son, Lemuel, is a king. And she's basically suggesting to him, listen, strong drink is not for you. Strong drink is for people who are about to die. In other words, the equivalent of giving someone a morphine shot because they're getting ready to check out. Okay, He's basically saying strong drink is not for those who are getting ready to die. And in verse 7 says, let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. This is not an admonishment from God to start drinking when you encounter hard times. This is advice from a mother to her son who is a king telling him that alcohol is not intended for people who are intending to live, rule, and reign you catch that? Amen. All right. But we have it here in God's word as a strong warning to those who think that drinking or drugs or something like that is a good option to use as an escape from when you're going through tough times or realities that you do not know how to deal with. Are you seeing the context there? One more before we get into this hot and heavy. Proverbs, again, 23rd, uh, 23rd chapter. Verse 29 through 35. Proverbs 23, 29 through 35. And the word of God reads, Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who's always fighting? Who's always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? I love the way this translation says this. Who has right, unnecessary bruises? You just You can't get it together. It doesn't have to be this way. (laughs) Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? That's probably why you can't, you know, get around. Verse 30. It is the one who spends long hours in the taverns trying out new drinks. I remember when I used to play at the clubs. Yes, I did. I used to play at the clubs. I would be, you know, I would be there with my keyboard and whatever have you, and I'd hear people ordering what was called new drinks. They were named after catastrophes. I want to get that hurricane. But I said, hey, man, I don't know about you. I'm sipping on that hurricane. Give me some of that earthquake. <laughs> give, me, give me, hey, man, give, give me some of that tsunami. You know, Give me that, y'all, 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 y'all serving that car accident? What about lost all my money, my house burned down? Give me, I'm about to burn this down. I mean, need... And I was up there and scratch my head like, do you realize you're ordering catastrophes? You really want to order that? Verse 31. Don't gaze at the wine, seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down. For in the end, it bites like a snake, a poisonous snake. You see that? It stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations, and you will say crazy things. You will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mass. And you will say, they hit me, but I didn't feel it. Yeah, you know, the clubs that I used to play with become they, they they'd be packed. And I'd be saying to myself, these people are all here. There's a ton of folks. You know, my band is good, but we ain't that good. And the singers are, you know, I'm playing, you know. You know, we, we good, but we ain't, we ain't that good. I mean, there's a ton of folks up in here. You know? a lot of people would come to escape the reality of what they were dealing with, right? He said, I didn't even know it when they beat me up. A lot of people use drink to numb the pain. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to feel what I'm going through, right? When I wake up, the verse says, when, I, when will I wake up so I can look for another drink? My goodness. Give me anything but the reality of what I'm dealing with. My goodness. The shocking thing about this is we call this a drinking problem. But the Bible gives us clarity. He says, no, no, no. What I would call it, the word of God would say, no, this is witchcraft. Isn't that interesting? I have a drinking problem. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's what we would say in 2000. 22, thank you. <laughs> Pandemic. But the Bible would say, no, actually, if I can clarify this for you, you're fooling around with demons. <sighs> that puts a completely different spin on it, doesn't it? I, had, I struggled with that. I was like, "Is that what you? Wow! Careful!" Now, as I said, alcohol was the main drug back then, but we have new drugs now, and I don't really have me personally. I can, you know, I struggle with this message because when I land on words, I was like, can I combine it with something? Can I do? No, no. This is gonna just deal with this word right here. But the truth is, is your pastor does not have a whole lot of experience when it comes to drugs. I just, I mean, when I look at this list of sins, I'm in here quite a few times. But on this particular sin, I don't have a lot of experience. I cannot say that I, that I have a PhD in addiction or something like that, you know? Amen? I did have a cousin that came to live with me um, And his family was kind of in transition. They were trying to get from one place to another. So they kind of stayed with us for, you know, a little bit of time, maybe a a few months to a year or something like that. And um, the interesting thing about this particular cousin, this cousin was very cool. I mean, cool. And the problem with me is I was not cool. I was that skinny, scrawny, you know, everybody would wear the same uniform, but mine just didn't quite look as cool as everybody else. You know, I was just, you know, kind of square, you know, everybody else was cool. I was kind of square. So everything that this particular cousin that was staying with us did, everything he did, I wanted to do. Because, you know, my friends would see him and be like, he's cool, you know. But this kid had some issues. My cousin had some issues. He's a little older than me, but he had some issues. And he seemed to always be looking for a way to get into some kind of trouble. So one day he says to me, he says, he says, hey, Jamie, listen, I don't know if you know, but you got this cigarette smoking gospel singing dad. And I said, you're right. I have seen dad every now and then take a few puffs. He said, yeah. So listen, I I know where your cigarette smoking gospel singing dad keeps his stash. I said, really? He said, this is what we're going to (laughs) do. I'm going to distract them down here, keep everything cool, while you go upstairs where his closet is, and you go and get a few packs out of the carton. I said, cool. So he's down there performing to distract them. I run up the stairs. Remember we had the spiral stairs? I run up the stairs, go into the closet. Reach in the closet, pull out a few packs. Notice that one was kind of half open, so I kind of took one and put it in my mouth. And I'm tipping out, and my dad is sitting right there at the door. all bad let me tell you the cold words just in case you don't know young people what the cold word is for when you're in trouble when your parent says something like this to you oh you think you're grown now huh that means you are in trouble (laughs) you are about to experience something you are not ready for so he said so you want to smoke huh jamie all right have a seat let's puff up son And one by one, he just kept lighting up cigarettes and I'm smoking, (coughs) choking, I'm thinking I'm about to die. He just kept giving me, I think I got maybe the three or four of them before I was just, I was like, this has got to be abused. (laughs) I am dying, but I want you to know that my career in substance (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> began and end in one day <laughs> my father knew his son and he was like you will never do that again that was the end of that now the other time the only other time that I've dealt with drugs is when I'm, I was on tour with these Jamaicans and, um, and you know I might have gotten a few contact highs but they were like hey Jimmy come here boy and they just blow it all in your face and they don't care but that was pretty much it That's, so I would say to you I am in no way qualified to really delve into this in the way that I would like so I thought it would be a good idea for me to get some help from some people that I would call modern day theologians who have great insight to this word that we are learning is called witchcraft. Okay? To explain the intoxicating effects, but more so, not to point a finger at folks, but more so to ask a question. What made you do this in the first place? What's, what's the drive behind this? Okay? I found out some interesting things because the, the interesting thing is, is neither person talked to the other person before they sent me their information. And what I found as far as, you know, the similarities is jaw dropping. Modern day theologian number one. I'm just gonna read this. I used to hang out with a guy in the early 80s right after I graduated from high school that I really liked. He was a user of crack cocaine and at the time I was not. I was working at a pretty nice job which I lost after missing so much work. I, really, I had really low self-esteem, and I was susceptible to other people's influence. The guy told me he wanted me to see why he acted the way he did when he got high, so I tried it. That was the start of a downward spiral. The theologian that I'm speaking of is Sister Deborah Jones. Modern-day theologian number two. Family gatherings usually involved alcohol and smoking cigarettes when I was young. So I had my first drink around eight when my uncle dared me and my brother to, do, uh, to down a shot while we were with him. I thought it was fun. I later got sloppy drunk around 12 at a family gathering while sneaking vodka out of the refrigerator. I liked the feeling that it gave me until I ended up with a severe hangover. I started smoking cigarettes when I was in the eighth grade because I wanted to feel like an adult. Oh, you think you're grown now, right? And it just seemed like something enjoyable. When I got to high school, I started smoking weed with my friends because it just seemed like it would be something fun to do again. My first experience with cocaine was by accident when I stole my cousin's cocaine-laced cigarettes when I was 13 or 14, uh, or 15 years old, yeah. Alcohol was the one thing that I didn't think I would ever let go. As much as it, uh, it costed me, i.e. included uh, multiple car accidents with major property damage Each time, blackout episodes where I did things I really regret. I couldn't imagine my life without it. I know that I use these things to cope with negative emotion. Sadness, frustration, anger, overwhelmed feeling, anxieties, stress, depression. But also to relax the best way that I could and seemingly enjoy my life. All my concerns faded under drunk or high episodes. My mind and heart had counterfeit costly rest. Modern day theologian number two, teacher Rick Calvo. Modern day theologian number three. I didn't know I was running on lows. Self-esteem, lack of encouragement, Lack of parental guidance, lack of defense, credibility, reward, etc. But my soul knew. Interesting. I didn't know that I needed to be in touch with anything spiritual. Therefore, unbeknownst to me, my soul searched for fulfillment. I became accustomed to escaping the reality of a low life, settling instead for fake periods of what I believe to be the high life while my real life headed toward the bottom. Powerful. That was from teacher David Boxton. Last theologian. (laughs) The reason I tried drugs was some people in my family were alcoholics. Some people close to me introduced me to drugs. And there were painful things that happened to me that I could not deal with. Modern day theologian number four, Tristan Hawkins. I got permission from all of these people to tell you this story today. My sister said something rather interesting to me. She said, Jamie, I'm okay with you mentioning my name. She said, I didn't go through all this hell to keep it quiet. After I asked every last one, I said, I don't have to use your name. They said, no, no. That's the difference about Transforming Love Christian Center. We don't hide up in here. Our deliverance is real, and our deliverance is public. And that's one of the things that got me in so much trouble when I first started pastoring is because I would not allow us to live in darkness. Because in darkness, secrets get stronger. But as soon as you bring them to the light, hey, amen. So real briefly, witchcraft, sorcery, drugs. Since you can't control what God has decided, since you can't fashion or shape what God has allowed, we tend to desire a way to escape having to deal with the things that he has on the schedule. All right? So what ends up happening? So you take something to check out. But you don't realize that you're now under the control of substances that are in league with Demons. Demonic. It's demonic. Amen. The devil and the people under his control, or should we say today, spell will always offer counterfeit substitutions for the all-sufficiency of Christ. I'm going to say that one more time. The devil and the people under his control, or should we say spells, will always offer counterfeit substitutions for the all-sufficiency of Christ. (laughs) It starts with trying to escape from the things that God allowed. Listen, this planet's not perfect. We don't come here in situations that are to our liking. Baby Grace has no idea how messed up her family really is. It's true. We come here as babies. And we don't know anything. We just know, feed me, help me, pick me up, you know, love me, give me what I want. I don't smell good, change something. You know, that's what we have. We don't come here knowing, no one gets a theology degree before they come here understanding, by the way, this is going to be a trip. Right? Right. So God has allowed less than perfect circumstances. Ah, Preach, Holy Spirit. And being spiritually immature as we are, we don't know how to say thank you, God, for allowing this situation, which is really, unbeknownst to me, your best. It doesn't feel like it. But God can take all kinds of situations, no matter how low they are, and lift you up. (laughs) Amen? It doesn't matter what you come through. It's where you're headed. It's his plan for you. But he uses these situations that are less than perfect to bring us to a desired end. I said it last week. We're headed towards victory. It may not seem like it, but that's where we're headed. Amen? Amen. This is a sinful, imperfect world. In In our infancy... We come here expecting things to be a certain way, and when we don't have those things a certain way, we don't know what to do. And so here comes the enemy and says, hey, why don't you try this? Amen? What's the core of this? We doubt God because we don't understand the methods of God. So we try everything but God to cope with the issues. Amen? One big common denominator that I saw in all of these stories, and I also did some stuff on, you know, some research on YouTube and and looked through some things, some articles and whatever have you. It it, it all kind of seems like it's the same. You know, we have some different slants here and there, but the core of it kind of seems to be the same. Um, One common denominator is uh, for why people decide to deal with witchcraft, drugs, alcohol, those kinds of things. One of the things that we we see is low self-esteem. What if we all believed that there was a solution for what self, low self-esteem? What if we all actually <laughs> looked at our low self-esteem and trusted what God felt about us? What if we all believed what God said about us? What if we all knew how much God really loved us? Uh, what if the truth of the gospel was the main thing we taught to our children's, even, children even before they knew math? Before we teach you how to get a job, I need to teach you how to think. I need to, I need to, teach, I need to teach you how to see yourself because you could have a million dollars a day and jump off A bridge just because things didn't turn out the way you thought to. What's the problem? I don't really know anything until I know how God feels about me. What if the gospel was taught to our children and our family members as a prerequisite for everything you did? Huh? That way, when we search for prosperity or some type of lifestyle that doesn't end up like we thought it would, it doesn't really matter. Why? Because I already know deep down inside how God really feels about me. I don't need you to make me feel better. I already have the truth. Are you hearing me? The truth is, son, people... God gave his very best. People don't understand how simple but how powerful John 3.16 really is. You know, if you really look under the hood of that thing, what's happening? God gave the highest currency in the known universe, an unknown universe. There's nothing that is more precious than the blood of Jesus Christ. He gave his very, very best. Why? Why? Not to deal with people who were sort of okay. (laughs) He gave his very best to reconcile sinners, enemies, back to God. That's really, really powerful, people. That's like, wow, God gave his very, very best. He gave his best for you and me. So when I think through, the truth of that reality, the truth of those words, then I have a better option at my disposal for my issues that I don't know how to deal with. Are you seeing what I'm saying? My self-esteem, my lack of confidence, my lack of approval, my life circumstance disappointments, my setbacks, or anything else I'm dealing with, the truth is, is the answer that you're looking for, the joy that you really want to have, is joy that is rooted and grounded in the truth. Of what God has already done for you. And when you don't have that. You're easy picking. Easy picking. Amen. For God so loved this world. How did he love us? Did he go oh you guys are really cute. No that's not what he did. God didn't like oh I kind of like you. No 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 no. How did he love it? He clarified it. He gave his only begotten Son. And whosoever would believe on him would not perish, huh? But would have everlasting life. That's heavy, y'all. It's a simple truth, but it's a foundational truth, and you ought not walk through this world without understanding it. You ought to not walk through this world without appreciating that simple truth. The gospel is the key foundation for everything. Without that, you don't really have much, even if everybody else says you do. You don't have much. Amen? Philippians 3, 5 and 9. Almost done. Thank you, Lord. Philippians 3, 5 through 9. Circumcised, Paul says, on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul is basically saying here, have you seen my resume? I look good. I got a lot of things on my resume that's really impressive. If anybody ought to be impressive, or you think anyone's impressive, think about me. He's like, look where I come from. I'm, a, I'm from a tribe of Benjamin. He's saying, that was the elite class. You know? Every, all of them live in Piedmont. Every last one of them. <laughs> they just got it like, they just just privileged. What school you go to? I'm going to Yale. Of course you are. Benjamin? You know what I'm saying? They just got it like that. But look what he says here in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, even with my family background and my family name and everybody saying, oh, you guys are all that. He said, whatever gain I had, I I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Wow. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth, value. Of what, Paul? What are you saying here? Of knowing whew, Christ Jesus my Lord. There it is. There it is. I submit to you that whatever emotion that we're dealing with, whatever pain that we're dealing with, whatever situation we feel like you know, we got shortchanged on, the truth is, is knowing Christ is the most valuable thing that you could ever have. And you are given just enough time to know him. And then check up on out of here. That's the truth. You're given enough time. God makes sure you have enough time to either receive him or reject him. He guarantees it. You gonna come or you gonna say, No, nah, I'm alright. Are you seeing this? He says, for this, for his sake, for Christ's sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, wow, and be found in him. Not having any righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of, from God that depends on faith. Part of the problem that we have, whether you're addicted to drugs or addicted to your phone, Hello. The part of the problem that we have is many of us suffer from having the wrong goal. Uh, Jesus is the goal, saints. Paul is saying, listen, if you don't get anything, get this. You You don't feel good about yourself? Well, It ain't about you anyway. It's about Christ. It's about what he did for you. Do you have that down? Do you understand that? Amen? Jesus is the goal. Many people have pierced themselves through, as the Bible said, with many pains. Why? Chasing after everything but Jesus. Huh? And you show up in families where folks have tried this kind of stuff for generations. And what happened? And you come to the planet not knowing what's going on. Huh? Like little baby Gray's going. What happened to us? Well, bottom line, we tried some things. It didn't work. We tried satisfaction in this area, tried satisfaction in this area. I feel good about myself because now I have this and now I own that. And no. I'm comparing myself to somebody else down the street who can care less. You ain't even thinking about me. <laughs> no. You know, I, I did all these things. I chased after glory. I chased after fame. I chased after all the things that I, you know, I chased after just wanting a normal good life. This ain't heaven. No. No. The bottom line is, is he, Paul is saying, listen, If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you don't have the ability to be fully rooted and grounded in his love, you have nothing. You have nothing. You're going to be insecure. It's just a matter of time. You're going to feel like something's lacking. It's just a matter of time. We were made to worship him. We were made to adore him. We were made to get on our knees and fall down and sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. We were made not to be thinking about what we have and what we don't have. We were made to be like, do you see how beautiful he is? That's what we're made for. So when that's not our focus, if that's not our goal, and we pierce ourselves through chasing after everything else but him. And we end up in these families where that has happened for years, years. And prayerfully, the gospel breaks through and sets us straight. And we know that the best high is Christ. <laughs> the best high is Christ. Amen? Let me just give you just a few more points here. Let's do some math. Think about how long you have been on this planet. Anybody over here, in here, 100? What about 1,000? 1,000? You might feel like it, Dave said. I feel like it sometimes. Yeah, when I lift my kids, I start to feel like it. Anybody over here, 90 in here? How about 80-something? Got, we got some 80s. Woo! y'all look good. Praise the Lord. 70-something. All right. 60-something. All right. All right. So and then further down? Okay, all right. Yeah, then, then there's Jamie. <laughs> Pastor, you know. All right. Here's the thing If you do the math However long you have been on this planet Think about how long Satan Has been on the planet (laughs) Think about how much time He's had to study humans You ever think about that He knows a lot About what we tend to do If we are presented with a nice little cocktail Of trials and temptations And he has a myriad of ways of how to serve it to us. Amen? That's what he's good at. Amen? Do not underestimate the enemy. He ain't got a lot of tricks, but he's got variations. Amen? And he's had time to sit there and look. He's been watching us since Eve. That's a long time. That's a long time. That's a a formidable enemy. Amen? Here's the thing. The only weapon against Satan is not some degree somewhere. It's not some money somewhere. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not what you think you're missing and and, and you're finally getting it. No, no, that's not it. The only weapon against Satan that you really have is to be filled with the spirit. Amen? The truth is the only way to freedom. Amen? There is no other option. No matter how well they present some other option, it's not a good option. The only option that you really have against an enemy like that is to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Filling yourself with the truth. Praying. Huh? Talking to the Lord. huh? Getting on your knees. Spending time with your Creator, your Father. Getting to know how He feels about you. No, no, no. When the lie comes in, the truth has to battle it. Are you following me? Because he's the father of lies. He's going to tell you things that are not true. And those things, if you live on those things, you're going to look at a place like you're going to function from a place that that, Ruth, that Eve functioned from. What did she function from? I, well, I have everything but that. I have everything but that. I'm still missing this. And then Satan goes, well, here you go, sweetie. Are you seeing it? Amen. The only option is to be filled with the Spirit, filled with the truth of God, spending time with the Lord, worshiping the Lord, being thankful. See, you can't complain about what you ain't got if you're too busy being thankful. Right? It's hard to pray and complain all the time, huh? Think about it, huh? Amen. There's really no other option. Galatians five twenty five, and I'll end with this: the Word of God says here of all these sins, what it will come down to is this, people. Out of all those sins, it will still come down, down to this verse. He says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Not run, not fly, not rush. One step at a time. Walk day by day. By day, moment by moment by moment, walk in the truth every day. Are you seeing that? The solution to the schemes and all these sins and the traps of the enemy is to daily be filled with the truth of God's word, daily be filled with worshiping the Lord, daily be filled with gratitude and thankfulness for what God has done. Huh? And that will adjust every temptation and every emotion that we have. God's word is enough. God's presence is enough. God's truth is enough. Huh? God's love is enough. Yes, it is. Amen? Every emotion we feel, we use the truth. Or we have to deal with Satan's counterfeit. Amen? And he wants to lead you away from Christ. He wants you to take all those complaints to him instead of to your God. Amen? Amen? Christ is all we need. Let me just read a few more statements. In 2004, I clearly heard a voice tell me it was over. At that time, I did not realize it. It was the Holy Spirit telling me it was over. And I haven't had a desire to get high ever since. Sister Deborah Jones. Next, it was the Lord that led me to stop. (laughs) After I quit, then I had to learn how to lean on the Lord for comfort in times of trouble. I'm still learning that lesson. It is a hard lesson to master because of our tendency to try to manage things on our own. Amen. You hear that? It's difficult while the stresses of life seem to be compounded as the years go by or as the years pass. Who said that? Teacher Pastor Rick. Rick Calvel. I love this. Yeah, that's right. Here we go. Two more. It's unlikely that I have... Oh, let, me, let me say that again. It's unlikely that I would have continued using that intoxicant if I had been fully nurtured as God intended, i.e., a properly established home life, neighborhood, schools, playgrounds, etc., conditions conducive to growth governed by those who would have loved me enough to place emphasis on my development. Does it mean they didn't love me? But it means they didn't demonstrate the love God would have preferred, and more than likely because they weren't shown that love themselves. Whew. Teacher David Boxton. My sister said something here. I got a wrong place. place so I can get it. My sister said something rather interesting. A couple of weeks ago, I preached on this, and I don't think she was listening to me, but she used the exact same reference. She said, "Um, you better know the Lord so he can bind up the strong man and kick him out. Jesus is stronger. In other words, she said, interesting, don't be swept clean. Be filled with the spirit. That was from Tristan Hawkins. Last but not least, my dad had an issue with smoking and drinking. I can say that because he already told his church a long time ago. And y'all remember that. So don't kill me on the internet. I know what I'm talking about. But he had an issue with smoking and drinking. And I'll never forget. I often remember this. I was on the road for some years and I came home and I noticed, I said, wait a minute. This is not the same guy. This is not the same man that I grew up raising, that grew up, you know, rearing me and raising me. And one year I came up from touring and noticed that he had quit cold turkey, smoking and drinking. And people would, there'd be, it was so that people would be drinking all around him. And he'd be sitting there with his arms full smiling. Not like he was struggling. Like he was completely and totally delivered. Amen. And he said later, the way to deal with addiction is to know the love of Christ. You got to know it. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the thing. I would say with my list of sins and my addictions may not necessarily be drugs, but the other things that we all deal with, right? I would say that it is knowing Jesus Christ, but more importantly than that, okay, it is fellowshipping. When it comes to addition, addiction, fellowshipping with others that know Jesus Christ too. It's the church. I was watching something on YouTube that blew me away. The man said that we deal with addiction and drugs and stuff like that by punishing people and making them feel isolated and pointing our finger at them and then making them feel bad and isolating them and putting them away. He said, actually, the truth is it's been shown scientifically that the better way to do it is do the exact opposite. Love on them, bring them into healthy relationships with people who are like-minded. Amen? And grow them and nurture them in a healthy society where they will be able to do, make different choices. He said, that's what they got to do. I said, isn't that interesting? That sounds like deliverance in the church. Isn't it interesting that God already came up with that? (laughs) What do you do? You repent of your sins. You trust in Jesus Christ. You start to, as Pastor Rick said, lean on Jesus instead of other things. There has to be a cleansing. There has to be a purging that God does. Then you confess daily. You take this stuff to him daily. You don't give it to anybody. Or you don't depend on somebody to make you escape what you're dealing with. You bring your all to Jesus. Is your all on the altar. Bring it to Jesus. And after you bring it to Jesus, what do you do? You get delivered. And then you get around other people who are delivered. And then you start enjoying and encouraging each other. Why? Why? Because we all got something in common. You've been dealing with something. I've been dealing with something too, honey. I got issues too. Isn't that amazing? 12-step program. No, no. Church. I'm not saying that sometimes unnecessary. I'm saying the end-all be-all is you got to get back in community with the people who have been delivered just like you. Amen. So I admonish you. I don't know where you are, what you're dealing with in this building or online. Find yourself someplace where they are teaching the truth. Amen. Grow in that truth. Learn the love of Christ. Not just hear about it. Learn it. Experience it. Amen. Grow in Jesus' love. And then get around some people who are also in that love. Amen. And you will be able to deal with our tendency to slip into, not drugs, not alcohol, witchcraft.